Hello there, Charmaine here, and welcome to Heart of a Daughter podcast. I am your host, and I am happy to announce that joining me this evening will be Miss Desiree King. Miss Desiree will be sharing part two of the topic of art and mental health as she answers some questions and shares her wealth of wisdom on this topic. I want to thank you guys again for your continued support, especially since we've gone forward to monthly episodes. And I just want to say that I appreciate you guys and ask that you continue to stay tuned. I hope that you can take something from this episode and I want to say I appreciate you. Happy Mother's Day. Enjoy. Hello there, Charmaine here and welcome to Heart of a Daughter podcast. I'm your host and I'm happy to have her with me today. Again, for the second time, Miss Desiree King. Miss Desiree, welcome to our show. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me again. Yes, ma'am. So we're going to go ahead and kick it off with our questions. And um, I'm going to have you start with the first one and just tell us if ask you if you can go into detail on what it means to be emotionally intelligent. Yeah, so emotional intelligence, um, sometimes referred to as EQ, kind of like our IQ, um, is really just the ability to understand and manage your emotions. Um, so just having like those good, good uh, coping skills, good self-awareness, um, knowing how to relieve stress in a positive way, um, being able to communicate your needs and your feelings effectively, um, being able to diffuse conflict. So, you know, you're not um, just like quick to, to jump into conflict and um, easily triggered. Um, so, yeah, just a overall social awareness and uh, emotional awareness. Yeah. So can you also share like um, what are some healthy coping skills we can use when it comes to children? Like as far as them having meltdowns or tantrums or when they are feeling like really angry inside, just kind of helping them to bring it down to a... Yeah. 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 So um, kind of piggybacking off of emotional intelligence, um, there, of course, isn't an age limit on it. So, um, you know, children can be emotionally intelligent. That's something that you can kind of help foster in them from a young age. And that's something that will they will benefit from and follow them into adulthood. So um, with kids and meltdowns, I would say the first thing is uh, that parents have to be there to help them. Right. So um, when kids are young, they don't really have the emotional intelligence yet or the self-awareness to say, "Okay, this is what I'm feeling and this is what I need. Um, So what they need in that moment is a parent to come and help them to calm down and kind of assess their needs. Um, so I would say that as a parent, I, I don't know if you've heard when they say an, an escalated parent can't uh, de-escalate an escalated child. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I heard it as more of like adding, you can't add chaos, like you need to be the calm to the chaos. Like yeah, Absolutely. So as yeah. parents, it's like, okay, you got to get your emotions in check first. And you insert the situation or the meltdown, you know, as the calm kind of grounded person and kind of asking what they need. Right. Because they can't most of the time they can't tell you, you know, I'm just I'm showing out or I'm falling out because I need a snack or I'm tired or I need a hug. So you you know, you sit with them in that moment and say, okay, 
as the parent, you know, okay, did they have a snack? Is it about snack time for them? Did they take their right. nap today? Are they tired? <laughs> yes, yes. So um, I think it's really important to think of them in the moment as being stressed. Even though they're young, you're like, what do they have to be stressed about? But in the moment, they can e- either be stressed by their environment, you know, or whatever is going on, their bodily needs. Um, and a lot of times it can be just kind of dismissed as them being defiant, you know, or being difficult where it's like, no, this is, you know, a moment where they actually need you to sit with them and not say, okay, I'm not talking to you, you know, till you calm down or you need to go sit in time out. It's like, no, let's sit and help them to be more emotionally intelligent and help them to figure out um, what's going on and co-regulate. So um, some things that you can do in that moment is, Um, Like I said, sometimes just sitting there with them until they're able to calm down, asking them, you know, are you hungry? Do you, you know, do you need a hug? Um, Ask them what they're feeling in their body. Um, You can, you know, do we need to do a dance party? You know, if they're feeling angry, (laughs) maybe they're overstimulated. Let's release some of that emotion. Let's um, hit a punching bag if you have one. One thing that I um, like to do with smaller kids is tearing paper. (laughs) Where some parents are like, oh, no, no, they're not about to be like destroyed. Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know, let's give them that release where they're tearing yeah. paper and not, you know, destroying something or hurting themselves. And then as they're tearing it and they calm down, it's like, okay. And then cleaning it up is also a therapeutic process in itself. Okay, now we're going to pick up these little pieces and put them away, um, you know, to help calm down or even going for a walk or you know, if it's nighttime, maybe giving them a bath. So there are many different things that kind of help uh, de-escalate and kind of diffuse the situation. But I would say the the most important is making sure that the parent is able to help them to co-regulate and assess what they're needing in the moment. Yeah, that sounds really good. Something that came to mind, I wonder, I mean, I guess as like for kids, I wonder if like, you know how adults like they have the stress balls. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I wonder if maybe like for children, like having them play with Play-Doh or like mm-hmm. I know blowing bubbles kind of helps too. Oh guess. yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm really big on fidgets. <laughs> um, <laughs> so e- even if that's just like some kids call them squishies, you know, having a squishy to squeeze or Punching Play-Doh sometimes help when kids are angry. Um, blowing bubbles actually is something that I use to help kids um, learn deep breathing. Because you can tell a kid, okay, take a deep breath. But a lot of the times they don't do it effectively where it's like, you know, it's a shallow breath. or it's, But it's like when you're blowing bubbles, you have to take that deep breath in and then blow it out to get the bubble. So it kind of helps them to teach, you know, to learn a proper way uh, to take deep breath. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. And so um, I want to now point to the adults and ask, what are some coping skills with with adults as it relates to dealing with disappointment? Okay. Um, yeah, so with adults, I guess dealing with disappointments can also be like dealing with a meltdown for children. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes we can, we can turn into toddlers or act like children Absolutely. when we're dealing with disappointment. <laughs> So a lot of, I think a lot of those same things can apply where it's like, um, how can I practice emotional intelligence right now and figure out, you know, what I need in this moment? Okay, I faced um, a disappointment. What do I need in this moment? So assessing your needs. What am I feeling in my body? Um, I know a lot of times people try to 
avoid crying but crying is actually a form of self-care so it's like do I need to cry right now let me allow myself to cry to address this need that I'm having um I would say getting enough sleep when you're dealing with uh disappointment that's something that kind of goes overlooked where it's like maybe I just need to take a nap and recharge (laughs) and um you know start again when I wake up yeah. yeah. So I would say the biggest thing is recognize being self-aware and recognizing uh, what you need in the moment. And then also recognizing when you need more help, you know, than what you think you need. Because sometimes we try to deal with things alone and it's like, you know, oh, this happened and we kind of brush it off. But it's like, do, do you need someone to sit with you in the moment or, you know, hey, can you come over? Hey, can we go for a walk? Sometimes you need to bring other people into your disappointment to to help you kind of navigate that. Yeah, I think that's so true. So can you give us some examples of uh, healthy self-expression? Yeah, so, um, and this kind of all piggybacks off of um, emotional intelligence. Um, so just that that self-awareness again. So healthy self-expression, I would say, first starts with you being your authentic self. So it's like, you know, not compromising who you are, but just kind of, you know, tapping into uh, what are your strengths, you know, your passions and your and your values and using, you know, those areas to kind of navigate and express who you are, um, speaking your truth in a sense, right? So nobody can speak your truth but you. So I would say some um, healthy forms of self-expression can be art I think it all it all starts from kind of a creative place so that can be visual art that can be journaling that can be blogging that can be poetry that can be taking pictures baking singing like the the things you know are endless whatever that is where it's like this is what I value this is what I'm passionate about and people can see me you know through what I'm putting out or what I'm creating and just letting go of that fear of what people think, because that is you being true to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, question is, can you share what to do when people are experiencing burnout? Yeah, so we're just kind of going, you know, rapid fire here, some <laughs> questions. Um, so handling burnout, um, I'll say, let's first start with some signs. So, yeah, for sure. I, um, I guess never really like knew when I was feeling burnt out or understood like what burnout is. It might just be like, oh, I'm feeling stressed today or I'm particularly irritable. You know, everything's getting on my nerves today. Every little thing um, or just feeling exhausted, just feeling tired, like mentally, physically, emotionally. I'm just like an overall exhaustion, um, feeling the need to isolate just to kind of like protect, <laughs> you know, or just kind of like isolating just because you actually can't handle anything else, like any other stimulation from any mm-hmm. other uh, places, um, yeah. getting sick, you know, maybe you got a cold and you usually don't get colds or you just have this constant headache that you can't get rid of, um, Maybe you're not feeling motivated, you know, to get up in the morning. Um, and this can be burnout in, in, in different areas of your life. This can be burnout with uh, work. This can be burnout as being a parent. You're a home um, maker or this can be burnout 
in your friendships, you know, this can, in your family. So burnout can happen in different areas. It doesn't just have to be like an overall, you know, I'm burnt out with everything, but it can be different areas as well. Um, so I would say some good ways to handle burnout, again, all ties back to emotional intelligence and self-awareness. Um, so first being aware that I am feeling irritable, right? What's going on today? I'm irritable. I'm usually not this, you know, easily angered or easily frustrated. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's the first thing is self-awareness, knowing what you're feeling, um, in your body and some, some ways to just, so after that, you know, you've acknowledged the symptom, (laughs) you know, this, I'm feeling irritable today. So how can I practice some good self-care? What, what do I need in the moment? So basically honoring our needs, um, how can I set healthy limits and not overextend myself because I'm, you know, I don't, I don't have it, right? I'm, I'm, I'm running on E right now. So what can I do um, to make sure that I'm getting my tank filled back up? Um, being present because sometimes when we're feeling burnt out, we are so far in the future where it's like, okay, I got this to do, this to do, this to do. I didn't do this. I didn't. Take a break and, you know, be present in the moment to kind of help manage, um, you know, those feelings of, of exhaustion. Cause it, it's exhausting thinking about all the things that you still have to do on your list. Right. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, and then I would say lastly, which there of course are <laughs> lots of more ways, but I would say to unplug, unplug from social media, <laughs> unplug from, you know, scrolling on your phone all day, because a lot of people don't realize it, but just, being so immersed into like social media um, and on your what phone all day on website, like that is draining too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So just, and, and, and it aids in you like not being present. So in order for you to be present and just kind of focusing on your needs and focusing on what's going on in your body and being self-aware, sometimes you need to unplug. Maybe you can schedule that. I know iPhones have it. If you, if you don't have an iPhone, I don't, I don't know what y'all do. <laughs> But iPhone has it when you can like set some times where it's like, okay, I'm I'm going to be offline during this time, right? You can schedule that. So be intentional about scheduling downtime and scheduling self-care time into your day just to kind of recover from that burnout. Yeah. So what are some helpful things you can do or a person could do if they're unhappy with their career? They're like, burned out with that or they feel unfulfilled with with where they are in life yeah okay um so I would say burnout can be a a number one uh, indicator too you know that you may be feeling unfulfilled or not happy Um, sometimes people recover from burnout and then sometimes it's like this is this constant burnout that doesn't seem to be getting better no matter what I'm trying, you know, I'm practicing good self-care, I'm setting limits, I'm being present, all these things, but you're still feeling this, like, overwhelming burnout. Sometimes I just can just be, you know, I am unfulfilled in, in my position. So that can look like your work performance declining. Um, you know, are you showing up to work and not even, you know, wanting to be there or not meeting the goals and the expectations that you need to meet? Um, that can be losing confidence in your ability to do those things you know so you're feeling unfulfilled and not even feeling like you're even capable to do the work 
that you are um, supposed to be doing or just overall losing interest in the work. So I would say an important thing to do is to revisit your values, right? What are some things that you value and do those things align with your job? So what you're doing now, does that align with, um, you know, your values? Does that align with what you want to be doing? So I think sometimes we have to kind of take a step back and to revisit those things and say, um, you know, either I want to stay at this place or how can I make this more fulfilling for me? Or maybe I need to move on and be okay with moving on because we can get trapped. We can get trapped into uh, those jobs and positions because it's like we've been there for a certain amount of time or it's familiar to us and we don't want to leave. But if you are, you know, just kind of having this experience of unfulfillment and feeling burnt out all the time, it might be time to step back and just say, okay, you know, what can I do and how can I uh, change my current situation? Cause you do still have control over that. Yeah, for sure. And then like, if someone uh, determines like, okay, this is something that I do need to like a field or career that they're wanting to walk away from. Um, what are some ways they can, what are some, like after they determine that this is just not a career for me, like mm-hmm. I need to get out of this, even Ooh. though I've invested years of education, years of money, this is not, I'm not happy here. What yeah. is steps or some advice you could give like to people that are in that situation? Yeah. So I know we talked a little bit about um, <laughs> my story, just kind of transferring out of engineering. So with me, <laughs> you know, I did, four years in engineering and once I felt you know found out like I don't enjoy this it's hard to get up in the morning to go to this place I am feeling what I didn't know then depression I am feeling depressed you know but it would just it just got increasingly harder to go to this place and that thought in the back of my mind was like oh no I just you know spent all this money on college and did four years in school and you know spent all this time And I didn't want it to, quote unquote, go to waste, you know, so I was like, I'm not leaving here because I just, you know, put in all this time. So it was me sacrificing my mental health for my degree or sacrificing my mental health for a good paycheck, you know, so um, but it got to a point where it was like I could not take it anymore. (laughs) So I had to. I went, so that's that's one of the um, times when I when I started uh, counseling and I had to navigate, you know, what's what's going on? What is going on? Why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling and just kind of finding the source of it? So I would say the f- first step was going to counseling and getting kind of that that unbiased opinion and someone to process and go, uh, you know, and explore your situation with you. Um, and then just being willing to be. um flexible and to explore you know other avenues because like I said I was like you know engineering is is what I know this is what I do this is what I went to school for I had no other idea or you know I've always loved art but it was engineering this is what I have to do so just being okay with parting from those expectations that you set for yourself you know if it's not serving you well mentally and it's you know affecting your functioning then you have to say you know is this is this worth me being unhealthy is this worth 
my mental health? Is this, you know, I'm, am I going to sacrifice myself uh, just for this comfort, this level of comfort right now? So, so yeah, just kind of being, being open to change and getting um, a professional or maybe even a friend, just someone to kind of explore your other options with you. Yeah, that sounds really good. And so um, the next question kind of goes off the topic of what we were talking about, but <laughs> um, just asking if you can share some helpful ways to deal with procrastination. Yeah, so I mean, it, and I can kind of go hand in hand with, you know, dealing with um, difficult work environments, environments and feeling unfulfilled. So um, when I was in that position, I procrastinated a lot. <laughs> you know, yeah. I procrastinated um, with looking for, well, sometimes like some days I was looking for jobs. And then a lot of times I got home and it was just like, no, this is, you know, this is my reality. Then this is what it is. And it was a lot of times because it was anxiety, you know, fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, procrastination can be linked with anxiety a lot. So it's like, I'm not doing this because... <laughs> stress too yeah yeah Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not gonna do this because or I'm gonna keep putting this off because I don't know what's going to happen so just anxiety about the outcome um so I would say some specific ways of dealing with it is being specific and setting goals so if it's like I know I need to do this (laughs) then let me be intentional and schedule time out to do this like you know setting alarms and reminders on your phone um and then maybe rewarding yourself. You know, we all we all like some type of incentive, not just kids. We can re- reward ourselves with, you know, whatever that may be that we enjoy. All right, I did this today. I'm going to, you know, let my take a bubble bath tonight or something. Or I'm going to take myself out for lunch because I, you know, I, I did this thing that I said I was going to do. Um, I honor, you know, I held myself accountable. Um, and another thing is breaking things up into tasks. It can be extremely overwhelming to just, like I said, I think I mentioned on the last podcast, you know, like I live out of a planner, I yes. write everything down in my planner, <laughs> but sometimes I look at my planner and I'm like, I start looking a couple weeks ahead and I'm like, oh, this is due, this is due. I can start all of these today so I can get ahead of the game and do the, and then I procrastinate because yeah. I'm like, I was being over ambitious. I got overwhelmed. <laughs> and so just breaking it up into tasks. So if I know I got this 10 page paper to write and I know work is going to be particularly difficult that week. Okay. Let me set aside 30 minutes each day to work on that paper that I know is due in two weeks versus waiting till, till that week that it's due and then being super stressed and probably experiencing burnout for work or, you know, whatever may be happening. And then I'm, I'm oh I'm stressed again because now I have this paper to do and I probably up all night. Yeah. So it's like procrastination definitely adds to um, you know, your level of stress. So just, you know, being specific about the goal, what needs, you know, setting um with setting smart goals. So specific goals, measurable goals, um, rewarding yourself if you need to, and then just breaking things up into tasks and um just working on things in intervals just to kind of make it less you know, seem like le- less like a, a big task. Yeah, that's great. And I just say that, like, I'm a master at setting goals, but uh-huh. I have to definitely be intentional about being committed to following through with those goals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. 
So thank you for that. Um, and so the next question is, can you tell us some signs of a toxic relationship? Yeah, so I would say this will just be a general um, yes, list of, of some signs, but this, it could be toxic relationships within like romantic relationships, friendships, toxic work relationships, toxic family relationships. So absolutely um, yeah so I'll just say a general some signs to look for in our controlling behavior you know is that person that you're in relationship with super controlling you know controlling the situations controlling the conversations controlling your time you know your money whatever it may be are they super controlling um is your relationship one-sided is it all take and no give like this person is just kind of sucking you dry, whether that be with, like I said, your time or where it's kind of like when they need something, you're always the one that jumps. But when you need something, not so much for them. So is your relationship one sided? Um, is the relationship manipulative? Like, do you feel like you have to do something for them to kind of keep the relationship healthy or do you have to show up in a way for them to, you know, make them feel good or meet their emotional needs? Um, are you feeling drained after you meet with them? I think that's a that's a, a good telltale sign where it's like yeah. every time you meet with them, you're just like drained. You got to prepare to meet with them. Like I already know this is about to be <laughs> pray. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I, I'm, you're not looking forward to it, or you're like counting down the time until they leave. Afterwards, you got to practice self care because <laughs> you know just being with them is so draining. That's not a healthy relationship. Um. Lack of communication. So they don't communicate well or even leave space for communication, which is the number one thing for a healthy relationship. Um, are you uncomfortable? Are you uncomfortable with being your authentic self? Are you uncomfortable with speaking up and advocating for yourself in a relationship? Um, are you compromising your standards or your values for this relationship? Like, are they making you do things that you typically wouldn't do or you feel like you have to do these things and compromise just for the the sake of the relationship um yeah so that that's a few just to kind of some 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 red flags i'd say to look for in toxic relationships yeah um so how can you establish healthy boundaries and friendships and friendships um so again i'm (laughs) I'm probably going to keep going back to emotional intelligence because that's like a golden rule for us it goes back to self-awareness so when you are with your friends or in these particular uh, friendships be you know practice self-awareness pay attention to how you feel when you're with that person pay attention to your body signals like are you feeling anxious when you're with that person are you feeling tense you know clenching your teeth holding your breath when you're with that person and if so, then you know, like, oh, okay, I got to put some some boundaries in place so I can breathe, so I can, you know, relax and be uh, myself with them. Um, I'd say making sure you're taking care of yourself first. So that kind of goes back to that, you know, all taking no give. Are you immediately just jumping to their their needs, you know, at whenever they call? Sometimes you will have to say, you know, say you had a rough day at work or you just got, you know, you're in grad school, you got a lot to do. And they're like, hey, I need you to come or hey, I need to 
vent right now if you know you don't have the capacity for that right now or you don't have the time you can say hey you know i can't do this right now but we can do this at you know whatever time so putting yourself first and not saying like oh well they need me so then neglecting your needs first just to meet their needs um what else so something i do with and this can this can be from the kiddos to adults is using i feel statements so um not putting the blame on them even if it is you know even if you feel like it's their fault but just having some effective communication and saying look I feel, you know, unappreciated when you just come and you talk for the whole two hours and I don't get to say anything. So can we kind of, you know, work to figure out a solution? Can we, you know, have a time where you talk and then I talk, we catch up on each other's life because this is making me feel this way. So you're not saying like, man, you're selfish. You're not even, you know, but you're saying this is how I feel. So what can we do to work together to change that? You know, I I feel like you don't appreciate my time when you keep showing up an hour late to our, you know, when we schedule lunch and then I'm just sitting here. Can what can we do to make sure that you're that we're honoring each other's time? Right. So not confrontational, but just effective communication. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Um, And yeah, so overall, I just I think putting your needs first and knowing what you have the capacity for if you know like I am drained and I can't you know I can't take I can't let you pour and you know pour that on me right now because I'm, I'm already overflowing right now so whatever you pour on me right now is just gonna be running into all areas <laughs> so you like hey I can't no I can't do that. let's let's schedule a time to talk tomorrow because I have a lot to do tonight you know so just being advocating for yourself advocating for your time your needs yourself you know putting your own self-care first yeah I think that's really important especially in building healthy relationships is just like respecting even when your friend may not have the capacity to be there for you all the time yeah single time like yeah and a lot of people don't know how to communicate (laughs) it's like and that's a learning I think that's a learning process for people like especially relationships because sometimes like even sometimes with like even me honestly like having realistic expectations Uh people they won't always be able to be there for you all the right right and I won't always be able to be there for people all the time and yeah yeah extending the same grace that you want to receive is really important absolutely and I think um that's important too for people who kind of have like people pleasing tendencies because that was that was me as well it was like oh I can't say no like yeah I want you and people would tell me you can say no and I would just like I oh I can't so say no you know so learning that no is a complete sentence just like nope I can't nope sorry you you don't even have to explain yourself Mm, no but this is what I can do (laughs) for sure so um next question how do you determine when it is most healthy to separate from a friendship or a relationship um so i i would say first if you are noticing a lot of those red flags um of a toxic relationship a lot of those are coming up for you often you know so it might it might come up once in a while where it's like oh i'm okay i'm feeling drained 
So let's figure out how we can address this, you know, but if the person is, you know, you're, you're using all this way, all these ways to um, establish healthy boundaries, you know, you're communicating and you're saying, these are my needs or these are my boundaries and I need you to honor them. If the person is purposely or directly choosing not to honor them, I would say, okay, well, you know, we're going to have to, you, you distance how much, you know, it sometimes it hurts, but sometimes it's like, okay, I have to distance myself to you because you're not honoring these boundaries that I have set, which is this, you know, it's disrespectful where if you're like, oh yeah, I hear you, but I basically, so basically they're saying your needs don't matter. So I think then it would be time to, you know, either distance from that person or maybe that is the time for your relationship, you know, just to make sure that you're honoring your needs and not putting more on you, you know, in that moment that you need. Yeah, for sure. So what is your view on cancel culture? And do you think it's like unhealthy to cut people off? Or- uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, I never really like jump on it on the term. So it's like cancel culture. Um, I would say it's, it's pretty much the same as the last question. If, if it is, if it is interfering with you being your best self, if it is interfering with you being healthy, emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, if it is affecting any of those areas and you're like, nope, I just can't, okay, cancel what you need to. And and a lot of people um, kind of hesitate, especially like if it's family. They, and I've had so many, what I mentioned last time, I do community mental health work. Um, and I've had clients where they're like, oh my God, like I, every time I go see this family member, you know, they're always so negative. They, you know, they remind me of all these bad experiences they do. That, and I'm like, well, why do you keep going to see them? Exactly. <laughs> and they're like, that's my family. I'm okay. <laughs> how is that? How is that serving you? Well, and they're like, it's not like every time I come back, I feel like crap. I do this. I'm, I'm like, just because it's family doesn't mean that you have to keep sacrificing your peace and you're like you can you set boundaries with your family right yeah I'm like either set boundaries and if that family member is not honoring your boundaries all right we can do a phone call for this amount of time or something or hey if you can't respect that then I'm not going to come over anymore because I don't want to have to do damage control and do self-care and all this stuff every time you know Maybe sometimes, but like every single time I come to see you, it's just extremely negative and draining and I feel like crap and you put me down. It's, hey, do what you need to do to protect your peace, <laughs> right? So I'm all for, you know, cancel what you need to do to protect your peace. Yeah. And I think like sometimes, sometimes it may be necessary to like cancel or be like, okay, this is just completely toxic and unhealthy mm-hmm. and not conducive to my growth. But then also sometimes it might be necessary to just distance yourself yes. or like allow the space and the time to like just reestablish everything. And oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. So, yeah, so you don't have to jump to oh you disrespect my body, you cut off. But it's like no, you know to just distance yourself a bit, and it's like they might be like oh you haven't been around, and it's like oh okay then it, maybe it's been a few weeks or a few months or whatever, and then you kind of gradually you know let yourself back in and then if it's like oh nope I'm starting to see those same red flags again let me distance myself again right so let it be a a gradual thing because like you said we're all learning people 
people don't know. People, some people, you know, people don't know how to do relationships. A lot of people um, don't communicate well. So, you know, give, I say give people a chance first. And they, if they continuously show you, like, no, I'm, I'm not going to change. This is what it is. And I'm, then it's like, okay, well, I got to do what I got to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I wanted to know if you could share with us specifically what art therapy is and like how others can get involved in it. Yes. So um, let me first start by saying there's a, a big difference between art therapy and somebody just leading you and doing art. So art therapy versus art classes or art, you know, just doing art, big difference. So um, I, I know we talked about last time, sometimes you can do art just for the, you know, the therapeutic process, which you don't need a licensed art therapist to, you know, to create art or to learn art or just to do it to make you feel better or, you know, whatever that may be. Um, but art therapy is just a tool used in combination with like traditional therapy and counseling so um some people really struggle with talk therapy or with kids you know sometimes they don't really know how to um express a lot of things so art is used as a tool in combination with um traditional counseling and therapy to um just to kind of help to aid in communication basically uh, it has, you know, healing properties. Um, it helps to navigate um, different trauma, you know, difficulties. Um, but it's just used as a, an addition to to the process. Yeah. So um, are there, like, any other ways to deal with, like, healing, trauma, or, like, mm-hmm. self-improvement aside, like, in conclusion, or in addition to art therapy? Yeah. Um, so I would say first art therapy, it is, it is still like one of the newer, um, approaches. So there are lots of different approaches. Um, you might hear stuff like, um, EMDR, like exposure therapy, talk therapy, art therapy. Um, sometimes there's group, you know, therapy, sometimes there's like drama type, you know, many different approaches. Um, art therapy right now is a, it's, it, I'll say it's kind of difficult just to find like art therapists that are in private practice right now. A lot of the times you see art therapy be, being practiced in um, psychiatric hospitals or um, in regular hospitals to kind of help um, facilitate like healing and um, exploring difficult emotions and things like that. So yeah, I would say just as far as I know you mentioned like getting involved with art therapy you would to actually receive art therapy you would have to be uh, seeing a licensed um, art therapist okay yeah uh, yeah okay because uh, there, there are some like counselors or therapists who utilize art in their in their practice yeah but they aren't necessarily art therapists so there's like they don't you know you have to have the specific training as an art therapist to you know to become a licensed art therapist yeah yeah I wonder like so um something that kind of came to mind is like maybe just like 
as far as finding something that kind of helps to manage like stress or mm-hmm. mental health issues. Yeah. I think um, it kind of is like just finding something that you enjoy to do. Yes. Enjoy doing and just kind of getting into that. It's kind of what it always boils down to. It's like, oh, writing or uh-huh. bike or just yeah. something. Stress, so I think that's really neat. Yeah, so I was say you can say that. like the simplest way to like if you just the like simplest answer, like, well, how do I handle this? Like, find something you love and get mm-hmm. into that. Yeah, I was gonna say like um art. Sometimes you'll say um a, a therapeutic technique, right? So a therapeutic technique meaning this is something that's therapeutic. So you know, taking a walk could be a therapeutic, you know, thing. Making art could be a therapeutic thing. It's therapeutic. But then when you say mm-hmm. art therapy, <laughs> you know, then that's, that's so, where, yeah, that's yeah. where it changes. When you say art as therapy, I'm doing, this is my therapy. You hear a lot of people yeah. do things. They say, this is See, my therapy. I didn't know that. I learned something new today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, thank you so much for making yourself available to answer that's not a problem i really appreciate your expertise and it's such a blessing to me and to others who have listened so i want to ask how we can stay in touch with you and purchase your art and connect with you on social media or your website yeah so you can find me on instagram at desiree so that's d-e-s underscore z-a underscore r-a-e and then my website is www.bigcartel. or art art by sorry.bigcartel.com. Okay. Well, I just again want to say thank you so much for for giving us your time again for part <laughs> two. And, oh, I enjoy it. Answering all the questions that we had, and I just really appreciate you, and I pray that. God will truly bless you for your time and just for being available to give us your information and your wealth of knowledge. Thank Um, you. You're welcome. Thank you. So I'm going to conclude our episode and I'm just going to close in a prayer. So Father, I just thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing Desiree to come in and to share with us her wisdom and to give us um, resourceful information as it relates to mental health and to relationships and just to um, improving our lives overall as individuals. And God, I just ask that you would allow this podcast episode to minister, to shed light, to bring healing and to bring help to those who listen and to be a blessing in some way. And Father, I ask that you would bless Desiree and that you would continue, Lord, to touch her, to bless the clients that she ministers to and the families, and that she will continue to be salt and light and the difference maker in our community and with um, each person that she interacts with. And so, Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for each day that you've given us to grow in our healing journeys and to even use that bit of growth to make a difference in someone else's life. And so, God, we honor you again for this time. We ask that you bless it and allow it to multiply in others' lives. We thank you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.